3: This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia.
9: It is an absolutely, and I do mean absolutely, outstanding Friday to be alive and well with yours. It's been a, it's been a week, one of the more seismic weeks we've ever seen around here. Now, it, it per, per doesn't really, you know, involve the University of Tennessee, but it does because today. The Volunteers have their first head coach in the NFL, unless I'm missing somebody. Unless you want to count John Gruden off the Tennessee coaching tree. Congratulations, Gerard Mayo. That is phenomenal news, as he's a new head coach in New England. He was a wonderful young man when he played here. He was a tremendous human being when he played here. That is a great story. He is a perfect Patriot uh, to carry on uh, the legacy there, and that is just wonderful news. But it's been a week. It has been a week of legendary coaches getting off the stage. Pete Carroll, uh, Nick Saban, and then the hoodie. But Bino Jeff Henderson has uh, the unfortunate news of another legendary coach that has left the stage and bino jeff condolences to you and i want to give you an opportunity here open the floor to you as i say condolences to you on the passing of your uncle who's a legendary coach
8: tony i, I appreciate that and i know what an exciting time it is on the show and don't want to douse that at all but i uh, do want to pray uh, pay tribute here uh my uncle, Buddy Pope passed away earlier this week. Uh, Buddy was one of the early multi-sports stars in Oak Ridge High School history. Uh, once he got out of school, he went into the Air Force and was uh, was in the Air Force during the Korean War. Came out of that and uh, went to the University of Florida as a punter, probably the only misstep in his entire life. Uh, he, he soon saw the error of his ways and transferred to East Tennessee State and uh, played baseball there. Uh, But uh, what most people know Buddy from is his long tenure uh, as a teacher and a coach in Oak Ridge school system. He was uh, the the first – he's the only uh, baseball coach in Oak Ridge high school history to take a team to the state tournament, and he did it in back-to-back years in 71 and 72. Uh, He's in the Oak Ridge uh, Sports Hall of Fame. He's in the East Tennessee chapter of the High School Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame. Uh, But none of that is what defines who he was. Uh, What defined Buddy Pope uh, was just the countless number of young lives he positively influenced as a coach and a teacher. Uh, As as a teenager, Tony, playing for him, uh, I sometimes bristled at, at the at the discipline that he demanded from us just in every area of our life, not only on the field, but in the classroom and in the community and everywhere else. As an adult, uh, I thank God uh, that I played baseball uh, for Buddy Pope and thankful for all that he did for me. And I know that countless other uh, men and women my age feel the same way. So, I just want to say thanks to Buddy, and I love you, and rest in peace.
9: Today's show done in honor of the memory of Buddy Pope, and our condolences on his passing to his family, uh, Bino's cousins, and uh, everybody involved. So uh, may we honor him today on the program. A very good coach in his own right, Tony Vitello, will be with us here in a mere matter of moments. Bino,
8: are you ready for some Tennessee baseball? Because I'm ready for some Tennessee uh, baseball. I'm ready for some spring, I'll tell you that, Tony. And yes, baseball's a big part of that, and Tennessee baseball's become a huge part of that. So, and, absolutely.
9: And this weather, by the way, uh, our local school systems are off due to wind. And, and I walked outside just now, and it's one of the calmest days I've ever seen. But it is supposed to get in the next couple hours pretty nasty here. Uh, with some high winds, and, and I will say it's rained a lot, so it could be potentially dangerous today. Please be careful. Um, I'm not trying to be alarmist like our local television does as they cry wolf all the time, and then, you know, people don't pay attention. I'm I'm trying to keep it real here. It's rained a bunch here, and so there's a decent chance for some trees to come down. I remember, out a couple years ago, you had a branch fall on you, didn't you, a S- situation like this? Didn't you get hit in the back of the
8: head or something? I I did. It was in March, Tony. It was the day before I was going to uh, Vegas for the NCAA basketball tournament. All right, so we've got a lot. trail.
9: Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. The departure of Saban, obviously, Uh, all these legendary coaches that got off the stage in one week. Kind of just trying to digest it. Where Alabama's going to go from here? We laid it out in the blog today. Orange Throat had some great stuff. And Chris Lowe had a great report last night about how Nick Saban's going to maintain an office there. Look, I'm going to tell you something. If, if the person that's going to take his place is thinking it through, I wouldn't want to be on a campus where that guy's maintaining an office. Now, if you tell me, oh, it's just an office and he's just going to come, you know, like Coach uh, Emeritus Bry, as we like to say in the trade, but one of these emeritus coaches, you know, he shows up every six months, fine. But that's not the picture that's being painted. He, apparently, he's going to stick around there and do Nick Saban things. And I, I'm sorry, but I it would be hard enough following him. It's going to be really hard for somebody to follow him with him with his presence and him looming around the campus. Uh, I, that would make that job a to me a lot less attractive. If I was thinking that thing through, the word I have is that Jimmy Sexton's trying to pull a one twosie. And the one twosie is, if you saw the news that broke this morning about Florida State, the NCAA is, uh, according to reports, highly, highly digging into Florida State and what's going on there. And apparently they're going to be the first. It was rumored back in the day that Tennessee would be the first, but the NCAA has leveled significant penalties on Florida State for NIL recruiting violations, according to Ross Dellinger. Uh, and, you know, look, as Dellinger writes, we're 30 months into this thing, and Florida State, who, what was their sin? What what did they do that nobody else did, Beno, To Help the living listener out. What do you think Florida State's sin is, Beanstar? Star?
8: Because I'll tell you uh, what it is: an assistant coach drove a player to meet with the head of their collective. Wow! Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, I'll tell you. Their
9: sin Let's is bring up. their sin is that they agitated when they didn't make the playoff. They agitated, and when you agitate, you get your hand slanged, slapped. The sanctions are wide ranging and broad. Spring twenty twenty two recruiting event uh and uh alex atkins was at the center of it and this this reads like something from the old days where the ncaa just needs to literally they 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 need to go away they need to go away so um the school must disassociate with the nil collective representative for a term of 3 years you know what that means if you mean if you think that means that those kids down there aren't going to get paid, to quote Rob Howford, you got another thing coming. Bomp, bomp. You got another thing coming. Bomp, bomp. Bump. Because they'll just have another nil collective that'll that'll be there. The school also must, uh, besides disassociate from the collective, they must disassociate from nil collectives for one year. Okay. Are the players not going to get paid there? Come on now. And FSU can't accept assistance from collective and other collective, uh, and the collective can't contribute to the athletic program in any way. However, the collective is free to continue working with FSU athletes on NIL endeavors. So what does any of that mean? Let me help you out. Ab. Absolutely nothing. But it's another headache, and it's another reason why Norvell would be ready to move on there. So here's Sexton's power play. Think of, let's think this through. He takes Norvell, and he places him at Alabama. And I do mean places him. That's the term. He places him at Alabama. Thank you. He places him at Alabama, and then he takes Deion Sanders and moves him to Florida State, another one of his clients. Affleck, And there you go.
0: I thought Dion and Florida State had a, uh, like, a they weren't on good terms. Now,
9: you believe all that showbiz, Bry? Come on, man. All
0: all that's just jiving, honey. So, on the other side. I I brought that up earlier, and someone said, no, he doesn't have a good relationship.
9: Yeah, well, who cares? That's what I would say to you. Vino, what would you say to that, that Florida State and him don't have a, you you don't think, Vino, you don't think that Florida State would take him? You don't think he would take Florida State? Come on, Bri. That's why you were afraid he'd go to Florida because he didn't,
0: you know, Florida hey, State. hey,
9: Brian, hey, 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 Brian, nothing ever lasts forever. They'll, they'll kiss and make up. Uh, well,
8: what's Bino say to that? Uh, I, I, I think that uh, if Norvell leaves, uh, Florida State would welcome Deion Sanders with open, open yes. arms. Come on, Brian, we've lived, man. This, this thing, this
9: is about big money. This is about pleasing your fans. And they would get over him taking Hunter away from them because he'd bring Hunter with him. That's the era we live in. He'd probably bring 20 players with him. Maybe. Off that roster, maybe 10 to 15 to 20 players, maybe. At any rate, Cowboy fan, you're on notice. You're going down on Sunday, just so you know. I've got it all <laughs> marked. i got the calendar marked. Tomorrow's going to be an incredible day. I game don't in the NFL. think so. Oh, I do think so. So that's twice your. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't think Green that's, Bay's going to... That's two wrongs for you, which don't make a right, by the way. Tony Vitello, uh, Tony Vitello, no Tony Vitello joins, and he is the Luther Wright coach of this program, because if loving that guy is wrong, I don't want to be right. We'll come back on the other side after this. Tony Vitello.
12: This is Del Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. Today I am at Foodland in beautiful downtown Columbia, Tennessee. I'm talking with Miles Johnson, your local grocer. He's got some specials that will be in Foodland starting today through next Tuesday. He's got a circular in his hand. You can get one at the front door. Miles, what have you got this week? Well, this week we have ground beef for 2 dollars a pound, T bone steak, $4.99 a pound, five pound bag Idaho potatoes, $2.49 each. Nestle Pure Life 24-pack water, 3 for 11, and Hamburger Helper, 2 for 3. That's amazing, as always. And, folks, Foodland is the place for guys who grill. Best Meat Department in Murray County. Miles, thanks so much. Have a great week. All righty. Thank you. You too.
13: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia.
9: Bow your head when you say his name, ladies and gentlemen, because if loving him is wrong, I don't want to be right. The great Luther Wright said that back in the day. That or No, it was Luther Ingram. What am I doing? It's Luther Ingram, Bino. Don't let me do that on here. I got to have some credibility musically. Absolutely, Tommy. Can't mess that up. That out. is a great... For those of you that love soul music and old R&B jams, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Great jam. Tony Vitello now joining us on the program. I'm sure he's missed hearing my voice. TLD Logistics Hotline. Tony Vitello, I welcome you in on the press piece of another season. and You guys were like meeting the depressed today. That's pretty cool, huh? It's, it's almost upon us here.
14: Yeah, you know it's it's an awkward situation. First off, kudos to you for your musical taste. That that could be track one to a Valentine's Day uh, playlist, if you will. Or, no doubt about you it. You don't make uh, yeah, you don't make mixtapes anymore, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's for those that are new to this whole thing. It's weird. It it's go time, but it's not go time because of the NCAA rules. You know, we haven't started school yet. We haven't hit the window where everybody's full go yet. So, there's many baseball players out there preparing for the season that's right around the corner, but yet we're not doing it full speed. So it's it's kind of this weird yellow light we're at right now.
9: It's like a lot of things with the NCA tone, and we could we could go off into the weeds in this, but I, I think the whole NCA experience is in a yellow light right now because what are we truly? What are we doing? How are we doing it? and how will we be doing it in five years so uh but moving along here your ball club this season what you've learned about them the time you've spent the culture you have where are you right now
14: well i think we're at a spot where we've kind of checked the box that we have some depth we have some internal competition i don't know that we had either of those two things last year and then something else we did not have yet at this point we've just got a lot of camaraderie or a lot of guys on the same page. And it's it's not like we had infighting last year, but a staple of our program has been kind of that lovable team chemistry that people see in the dugout or they're envious of it if, if they're not wearing orange. And I do think this club has that. And why, you know, I get stopped over the break a bunch, asked how is it going to go. You know, I just say I know it's going to be fun. Um, <clears throat> but, of course, we all know winning is the most fun thing, and it's it's always going to be too difficult. To predict how much you can win in our league, uh, but also just in college baseball in general.
9: Tony Vitello joining. I mean, your, your league's an absolute meat grinder. Chris Burke, who took me under wings uh, several years ago, was like, Look, man, it, it's harder to win in baseball in the league or be great in baseball in the league than it is maybe in football, maybe in basketball. He said, And that, and that was when you were trying to get the program up and off the ground and. Uh, your account today tweeted a really cool thing of our own Evan Russell, who we're proud enough now to interface with. He's going to be back for another season with us uh, of breaking you guys down scientifically on Mondays. But, um, you know, off the backs of those guys sprung this. And I, I just know that last year at times for you, it wasn't just the losing. It, it was the the whole You know, we talk about how these sports are changing, Tony, and I I don't think you'd mind me saying this, but when you go into the portal, right, you you really – chemistry has to be first, second, or third, but winning has to be first. So that's got to be very difficult to get it right chemistry-wise when you're playing around in the portal.
14: Yeah, it is. And and then it could could be – we could go back to the old days where you you sign a JUCO guy or a freshman guy late in the summer because you're trying to replace – a draft pick somebody who signed in the draft on you because you don't really know what's going to happen and you know a a lot of the teams you see in omaha really all of them a core of their team are guys that said no to the draft either they came back as a senior um like evan russell did uh you know on that 2022 team or they're a guy like blake tidwell that could have signed for good money out of high school but what happens when that guy does sign you're left scrambling and a lot of times it's hey this is the only right-handed hitter left that we can find, or second baseman, or I'm just you know pulling out examples, and you roll with it because what you don't want is to sit in the office and say, well, we have a huge blank spot on our roster because we didn't hustle around as coaches, yeah, in the recruiting game. So, you know, and then you, you can you can predict all you want how a kid is on his visit, or you size up mom and dad, or you watch him in the dugout when a coach corrects him in high school. You don't really know what you have until they're around you. And then there's a lot of kids that change for the better or maybe for the worse when they're on a college campus and you've got a lot of temptation. You got NIL talks. You got parties to go to. Um, you got to get yourself out of bed. Mom and dad don't do that anymore. So you you just don't really know what you have till you have it. And then it's up to you as a coaching staff to develop what you do have in the right direction.
9: Hey, T, I'm not here to, 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 um, uh, Put you on the spot, okay? My friends at TLD Logistics Online, TLDLogistics.com, and I'll be out there on their porch this summer along with the great Marcos Garza uh, holding court uh, while you're doing your thing in the dugout. But, Tony, I hear from talking to people that you feel like, away from the whole deal, that this is your best team you've had. Now, I don't know what you just said to the media, I don't know what you're saying. In in interviews, but I hear from talking to different folks that that's the way you feel. Are, are you going to say that out loud today? Do you feel like it's your no. best ball club?
14: No, I wouldn't, and I'd probably have to spin it a different way if I was guilty of saying that. But I think it's a, I think what that is is a is a little bit, not a lot, a little bit of a misinterpretation of me saying just what a pleasure this group has been to be around. Okay, um, and and there are some areas where. You know, for instance, shortstop, you always – I remember Javier Bardem in a a crazy movie talks about you hire the one right tool for the job. You don't just scattergun it and, you know, try six or seven different things. Uh, So it would be great to have the best shortstop possible in the country, and I don't know that we have that. But we do have more options of shortstop than we've ever had. So it's a little easier to come to work every day feeling like, you know what? We did not leave this roster short. We did everything we needed to do. There's a lot of competition. The guys like competing. They all want to get better. Um, so for a lot of reasons, it's a group that's been a pleasure to be around. Now, there's been a couple moments, or there was, at the end of the first semester where they got called out as a group, kind of questioning, yeah, we got some pieces, but how good are we actually going to be for this reason and that reason? You know, basically pointing out a couple areas we definitely need to get better at, and um,
11: and what I don't are know they?
14: will be our best team.
9: Yeah, what are they, Tom? What were I, those areas when you were talking I, I, to the team?
14: Where, where is that killer instinct going to be? And in the fall, when you don't really play an SEC team or you don't keep you know, stats and things like that, um, you don't have one lineup against the other team, um, those fall games are a little quirky. Um, it, it's an unanswered question for every group this time of year. But for this one in particular, it's kind of like, okay, this box, this box, this box is checked, but what about the ones that are not checked yet? And, and some of them, like Killer Instinct or, um, you know, are pitchers going to accept the role they're in because we don't have the five or six top-heavy arms where it's like there's. we're definitely going to ride these guys and then everything else is going to be icing on the cake. Um, it's going to be a lot of hodgepodge mixing and matching with pitchers. Are so those guys going to accept those roles? Um, how well are they going to execute yep. them? So I think we're a little further down the line um, than the average team. So, again, it's, it's been a joy to be around these guys. 3.5 team GPA, the wow. newest headaches we've ever had off the field. Um, so what the fans want is they want to hear, this is going to be the best team ever. I've never said that, and I've honestly never thought it. But what I do think is we will get back to or keep the tradition of there's a lot of lovable characters on this team. I think they'll play hard for ball fans. And I, I think there will be some new faces emerge where people will want to buy their T-shirt, jersey, or get their autograph after the game.
9: Let me bring uh, Brian Hartman in here now, and then Bino, Jeff Henderson, Tony Vitello joining us on a day where they met the depressed. And I appreciate Tony
0: for jumping in. Go ahead, Brian. Coach, do you know what the SEC schedule, when the 30, when the 16-team SEC next year is, what's, what it's going to be like? Will there still be 30 games? Will there be more? I know you're playing Vanderbilt and Alabama every year, and it's rotating other than that.
14: Yeah, so there'll there'll still be 30 games. There'll be 15 on the road, 15 at home. Um, The last, I think, eight out of nine years, Tennessee has started on the road in the SEC for whatever reason. So you can pretty much bank, we'll start on the road next year. Um, And then uh, who the opponents are outside of – Alabama and Vanderbilt, as you mentioned, are like opponents from here on out. I think that'll go in the hopper. Um, so I don't want to misspeak, but I'm not so sure there's not a situation where we wouldn't, um, you know, play Alabama or Auburn again. We play them this year. Uh, but I'd like to think they'd have something in place where we wouldn't go like we are this year.
9: You know, managing that huge league is crazy, and it's a great question Brian asked you. Uh, my favorite thing about last year is we're not going to start at Tennessee because it's cold weather. Let's go to Missouri, and why don't we take that series and put the damn thing on the Arctic Circle
8: next year? Uh, hey, uh, Bino, Bino, Jeff Henderson, get in here. Go ahead. Hey, welcome back, Coach. Great to have you. Uh, M- Major League Baseball has the luxury of spring training where they can slowly kind of build up innings for their pitchers. You guys don't have that luxury. How do you accelerate that process at this time of the year uh, while still kind of protecting your kids' arms?
14: Yeah, if you do. And ultimately, protecting it is what somebody like Coach Corbin or Coach Slosnagel, those older, experienced guys that like to get in the mix with the National Coaches Convention and all that, they need to take this thing to a head and say this is a safety issue. You talk about Dylan Cruz's hamstring or chase dolander's arm it's a safety issue that we're not allowed to be around these guys full time yet and the season is a month away um so to answer your question directly uh part of that safety issue is if you do try and accelerate somebody right now you're going to put them in harm's way there's a chance they get sore and now you're doing the old two steps forward one step backwards and you don't have a guy healthy at the beginning of the year um what needs to happen is the guys really need to follow the protocol that's laid out for them in the winter. When they go home, they're given a schedule of exactly what to do. And if they don't follow that, they're putting themselves in harm's way. And when they get back the other day, our guys were taking ground balls on their own. And I was watching from the office. I kind of yelled out the window, Hey, take one more around the horn and then call it good. Cause I could see some of those guys' arms were starting to tire earlier than they normally would. So it's a scary time of year. And, we are, quote-unquote, not in season um, for a couple more weeks. So you get about three weeks, quote-unquote, in season to prepare for the season.
9: So in other words, you get like three weeks of practice before you play your that first series down there in Texas, essentially.
14: Yeah, and it, as you, you, know, you ask Tom or one of those guy, guys, the last week before your first game or your match, you you got to kind of back off a little bit, and so... Really, you get about two, two-and-a-half weeks to go full bore, full allotment of hours, yeah. full scrimmage, and then here it is.
9: Hey, Tone, do you get in the ice tub with Stallings in them? I know Stallings I, so, is in the ice tub now. Are you one of these ice tub people?
14: So we, you know, things have really improved around our facility, and we bought one uh, for our guys, but it's taken a long time to get it. So I was getting frustrated because I do believe in that. Um so I bought one on my own that I'll just keep when the big one comes, and it's been sitting in that in Woody's training room. And our guys have used it a lot. In heck, right. I paid for it, so I've been forcing myself to get in there. And I, I hey it t- for
9: sure. T tell because your phone just broke up. Tell the listener what this latest craze is. What the ice tub is. Tell them because people are not going to believe this when we say this. Go ahead.
14: Yeah, I mean you're getting fifty degrees or or you know somewhere between forty five ish fifty degrees. If you get in there for three minutes up to your neck, it's got a ton of benefits. And um, our guys sit in there for three minutes. I got a song I listen to every time. It's three minutes long. And you get in there, and your body literally thinks you're about to die for the first minute. So you got to breathe through it.
9: You're in ice, um, right? It's ice, right?
14: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's ice water. And, um, <laughs> you know, after that first minute, your body will basically go numb. So the last minute is not that bad, but that first minute... It's kind of a holy crap or, or whatever expletive you want to throw in there moment for sure. T, um,
9: your shortstop, is it going to be Christian Moore right now? Is that what we're doing? You know,
14: I don't I don't think we have an answer. If if you were going to go um, off the players' vote uh, with those player evals, I don't mind, mind telling you it was Ariel Antigua, the freshman. Um, nice. I think they were kind of thinking Christian Moore and him up the middle. Now, Bradkey Lowry – Uh, He was not healthy the entire fall. Neither was Alex Perry. Those are two JUCO guys that could really play short or second, and to be honest with you, third base too. Um, But, you know, Ariel's a freshman, and that's a position where you want a quarterback, and you'd much rather have a guy who can make the everyday average play over the fancy play. Um, And not that Ariel can't do that, not that Simo can't do that, but whoever starts day one, it's it's going to be the guy we feel the safest with. Not who's the most dynamic, not who's the best hitter, um, but who takes care of our pitchers the best, and who's the best quarterback out there. And it, it's nice we've got options. The whoever's the pole position leader right now, it really doesn't matter because we got you know enough scrimmages between now and the start of the season. The competition kind of restarts.
9: So if I'm hearing you correctly, I need somebody that can make routine plays. And not give people four and five outs. That's that's what you're going for.
14: Yeah, it's nice. You got the Chris Burke guy who can hit in the middle of the order and make the average play and the dynamite play. That's great. But what you got to start with is your first priority of someone you know. Your team is gonna he's gonna communicate to the team what's going on, where the ball needs to go. He's gonna be an extra coach out there, and in doing so, he's gonna be on the hands team. He's gonna take care of the. The average play, when a ball's hit at you, you know it's an out, and the pitcher can bank on it. And uh, and then everything else is icing on the cake.
9: A.T., if you guys are going to get to where you got to last year, and you got this thing at such a level right now that that's the goal, um, and, and that's a high compliment to you and your staff and all the hard work and the kids who have come before, blank and blank have to happen. What has to happen for you? What has to develop on this club between now and then?
14: The, the right combination of pitchers is going to need to uh, occur, and that's going to require um, Frank to do his thing, which is, to me, that's a box that's already checked in my mind. Us as a coaching staff, I've got a big hand in that. Make sure we're using guys the right way. Keep them fresh. Mix them up. Leave no stone unturned to what you're going to try. And then up to the pitchers to embrace whatever role is given them to them that day and then execute as best as they can. Um you know, when they get their opportunity. If they're just a go-get-one-lefty-out one, one lefty out guy, they need to be the best version of that guy in the world. So whatever you want under that umbrella of um, the pitching group being the best they can be, and then, again, that, that killer instinct. Um, you know, it's going to be our group against uh, them. And if our group thinks we're so close-knit, and our guys, of course, think they're talented, then they need to show it and line up against whoever it is. It'll be some big 12 teams uh, to start the season. But whoever the opponent is, line up and and you know play ball baseball
9: you are without a doubt absolutely next level and i appreciate your time i want your thoughts on the departure of these uh legendary coaches this week three of them in one week a couple from the nfl and and then nick saban in the college ranks
14: it's it's mind-blowing that it all happened at once and you make you kind of make your mind up or kind of think in your head that it was intentional, that this was all in sync, but it it probably wasn't. Um, and you also kind of feel like each guy is getting cheated a little bit. I mean, poor Pete Carroll. There's a lot of people that don't like him, but regardless, um, he deserves a lot of attention or his retirement does, but it got passed over pretty quick for good reason. And you got the best NFL coach ever, best college football coach ever, retiring it is going to shake up the landscape for a few weeks in a major way and i'm glad i'm out of those two sports and i can sit back and just be a fan like you all and see what happens and ultimately i'll be smiling because i don't care what does happen ball ball football got better the other day
9: well that's exactly right and it it did get better and the other thing that's interesting is and you're, you know, y- your name came up in some of these deals like the LSU and a couple other places and, you know, pity the guy that has to follow Saban. How do you follow that?
0: How do you do that?
14: You know, I, I joke that whenever it happens, um, you know, I know a few people that know him or Alabama football fans, shame on them, but I would always joke with those folks, you need to have somebody in place that's a sacrificial lamb that takes the job for two years and then hire your real guy. <laughs> And, of course, Alabama would never do that, and they've got a lot of talent on their club. Um, but people that are fans don't usually take into consider circumstance. They don't care what the circumstances are. They want you to win. Royals fans don't care that their budget's not as big as the Yankees and Red Sox. They want to win as much as the Yankees and Red Sox. There's circumstances to everything. You know, it's it's cold uh, up in Minnesota for University of Minnesota football, uh, baseball, but they want to win. And – Alabama, whoever takes that job, there's going to be a lot of obstacles for them. But trying to replace a legend can really create a mess. And I hope whoever it is, you know, can at least sleep at night a little bit, uh, having to juggle that on top of everything else.
9: T, you're the man. Much love to you. Look forward to uh, breaking it down scientifically with you. And my people will get up with your people about next week. And thank you, brother.
14: Beautiful. I appreciate you so much. Y'all have a good one.
9: UFC 300 right around the corner. Take care.
14: Holy
9: cow, gonna be a doozer. We'll see ya. Say. So, what's he <laughs> he was really Bino, when you, you hear when you hear Tony Valls on there, is there any wonder why I have the crush on him I do?
8: Any wonder? Uh, ab- absolutely not, Tony. He he's one of the few we have on here that kind of tie me. It'sn't that funny.
15: It's
0: it's fitting that you would Talk about your great uncle Bobby, Buddy Polk, being a great baseball coach, and then we'd have Tony Vitello on the show ten minutes later. Yeah, I think that's only fitting. That's a good yep. tribute to him.
8: I, I, I appreciate that, Brian. He was. Uh, uh, I, I've watched. Uh, I've, I've watched Tony V hit infield, and he's really good at it. Uh, Buddy was an absolute fungo wizard. Never seen anyone. <laughs> step off! That's what I'm saying to you. Let's bring
9: the great, without further ado, you bow your head when you say his name, Mike Hugan, and joining us, we keep the TLD Logistics Hotline burning on this Friday, burning! We keep the turntables turning! Hugie, I welcome you in. Pretty uneventful week in in college football, man.
16: Yeah, the the coaching fraternity, yeah, it's, I mean... Across pro and college, I mean it's incredible. Uh, but Savin, I'm not sure anybody truly saw that one coming. I, I'm a little bit surprised he he's left off a non-title season. But the idea that he got this team to the playoff, maybe he figured, okay, that's that's enough. And despite him saying that you know the changes in college football aren't the reason he's stepping down, I got to think that did play a part.
9: So, Hughie, we're, we live in a what's next society, right? How how would you like to be the guy following him there? How would you like to be that guy?
16: You're doomed. Uh, You're, you're, you know, everybody's hired to be fired or in, in the coaching parlance. Everybody's hired to be fired. But I think in Alabama, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm hired this day. Will I be here three years from now? Maybe. Four years from now? No. Because, yeah, the first time they lose a game, it'll be, well, you know, Nick would have won that. And if they squeak by, well, you know, Nick would have won by two touchdowns. What are they doing on defense? It's, it's a absolute no-win situation. Then um, I, I think, you know, every coach has an ego. Some do a better job of sublimating it, but they all have massive egos. And I think every coach figures he, he's going to succeed in the new job. This is the one time I can honestly say whoever is going to get hired now is not going to succeed because you have a impossible standard to reach and you're not going to you're, you're you're not going to be a success um I, I think in almost every other situation yeah that person's got a chance this person has no chance
9: zero chance is zero. is zero. and i mean zero like when you say zero, you mean the saddle, like zetta. Here's an example, right? Like up here in New England, Gerard Mayo just took the job, former Vol, which is the first time we've ever had a former Vol as a permanent head coach. Jim Bates, I was told, did it as um, interim, but this guy's a full-time head coach. He's got an opportunity there, and the reason he does is the hoodie kind of crashed and burned that thing and cratered that thing. This guy is going to take over a deal where a guy was a play away – a play away now from taking a 9-3 and three team to the national championship game. I mean, Saban was at the top of this game when he walked out of there. And is Norvell going to be crazy enough to do it? Hugh, is he going to be crazy enough?
16: You know, the, I don't know. Um, the, the idea that Tommy Reese is being considered, to to me, that, <laughs> okay, the fire is burning. Let's just throw this log on there. Maybe that will make the fire go out. Yeah. Um, because he has he has the less chance of ball. Now you're going to get you're going to be well compensated for it, um, and presumably the person they hire will be able to get another job at some time. But yes. I think back to I, I like old time college football. Frank Leahy was one of the greatest college coaches ever. Won four national titles at Notre Dame. 86 um, percent winning percentage in his career. Um, he retired. And was replaced by 26-year-old Terry Brennan, who was the Notre Dame freshman coach. Terry Brennan lasted four years, never coached anywhere ever again. Um, Again, I think this is there's some parallels. Um, Whoever they hire is going to get fired. Uh, I think though that if it's a guy like Kalen DeBoer, okay, he's going to he's going to fail. But people know he's a great coach. He's going to get another job somewhere. I, I don't, you know, Tommy Reese. This might be his only chance to be a head coach. Maybe he takes it. Norvell, I presumably he would get another job if he got fired. Um, it's, it, it's interesting. I don't, you know, Norvell's recruiting, high school recruiting, is not very good. His works phenomenal, and I know people say, "Well, Alabama recruits itself." Well, I don't Maybe. remember recruiting itself when Mike Shula was there. Maybe when Bill Curry was there, um, and LSU is another example, and oh, all that school recruits itself. Then why did Curly Hallman and Jerry Denardo and all those guys fell miserably? Because they were bad coaches. I don't know if you can sustain a program with Mike Norvell's um, operating scheme, i.e., I'm going to the portal for 17 starters. Um, obviously, he would change that. Um, I, I don't know, though. if he, he certainly does not have the recruiting fervor that Saban
9: did. So let's bring Bino Jeff Henderson in here as we are breaking it down scientifically with Mike Hugan and our Friday date, Bino. I uh,
8: missed last Friday's show, Mike. So uh, happy new year to you. Appreciate um, there, Thank you. Uh, uh, fan bases all over this country, with the exception of Alabama are elated and in full celebration mode uh, with Saban's retirement for guys like you that cover the game objectively is something lost when a great guy like that uh, steps away. Yeah, I think so. And you know,
16: we've talked about this on the show before. This 2023 was like the last year of college football as we knew it. And this sort of like puts the nail in, in you know, you're it's like you're boarding up college football's past and Saban's retirement you've hit the last nail in the last piece of plywood cuz it is in the past now. Um but no, you and you know, there's a lot of folks out there who don't like Nick Saban. I get that. But Interesting. I think you have to look at him and go, "This dude won six national titles at Alabama seven his career." Mm. If you watch college football the last twenty years, or the last forty years, or the last sixty years, you should have the same opinion of Saban. He's the greatest coach of all time because college football in twenty twenty college football during the last twenty years is vastly different than the college football that Newt Rockney coached that Bear Bryant coached, that Lou Holtz coached, that Woody Hayes and Bo Schimbeckler coached, that Paterno coached. Everything is different now, especially the last five years. So his run of awesomeness, it's never going to be matched. And I know people say, well, Kirby Smart 21 too. Well, get back to me when he wins five more. I mean, that's, that's think about this. You're, you're happy if you win one national title. This dude won six at Alabama. And he, he had more first-round picks at Alabama than he had losses, 44-29. to 29.
9: Demented. Um, really like incredible. a demented guy for winning. Like uh, had a demented uh, drive to him to win. Just demented. Yeah,
16: think, uh, there, there was a certain, I think when he was in his late 50s and early to mid-60s, he disliked losing more than he liked winning. I think as he got older the last couple of years, I mean, he seemed pretty relaxed this year. Considering some of the problems this team had, um, you know, if this if he were 58 this year and that and that USF game had happened, his head would have exploded at the podium at the at the post game news conference. But this year he seemed like okay, yeah, well, you know, we're going to get better, blah blah blah. I, I think he has mellowed, but I, I think there was a point where he disliked losing more than he liked winning, and that's 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 not good because it messes with
9: you. I hear that. Um... This is a scuttlebutt in the industry, okay? And I wrote this today. Um, obviously, Jimmy Sexton is the kingmaker in this deal, and he's trying to pull a maneuver, and I want to get your opinion on this. Uh, the guy at Florida State takes the Alabama job, and then he takes another one of his clients, Deion Sanders, and moves him to Florida State.
16: I don't think FSU is going to hire Deion Sanders. Um, there is... I know there's
9: acrimony, right? There's acrimony,
16: even if he is an alum.
9: But 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 wouldn't they wouldn't they kiss and make up for the opportunity to bring some gravitas for some show and all that stuff?
16: I don't know. That's an interesting question. Uh, I'm not convinced that would happen. Um, it's certainly, on a on a, a few levels, it makes sense. And from what I understand, Sexton was in um, Tuscaloosa yesterday. But Sexton yep. also represents Kalen DeBoer.
9: So. Yeah, and Kalen DeBoer had a standing radio uh, interview today, and Kalen DeBoer, for the first time since he's been there, stood up the hosts, and they had everybody involved had to put out a statement a statement today because Kalen Caleb De, DeBoer did not make uh, it says this is from KJR. 93.3. Husky fans, we know you're looking forward to our visit with Kalen DeBoer this morning. Understand that Coach and UW are continuing to work toward a future we can all be excited about. At this time, Coach will not be joining us this morning, but we're going to reschedule our interview soon. What do you think of that?
16: That's interesting. And Washington has a new AD because their old AD, For Cohen, went to USC. And Cohen had a good relationship with DeBoer. Cohen overcame a rough patch between Chris Peterson and DeBoer because Jimmy Lake was there, and she had to fire Jimmy Lake after two years. So um, it's, and I'll be honest, I think Kevin DeBoer is a better coach than Mike Norbell. Um, Sexton is a kingmaker. By all accounts, he was in Tuscaloosa yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of moving parts to this, and you also could have Jim Harbaugh leave. I'm not, I'm, I'm, 99.9% Ninety-nine point nine percent convinced he will not be back in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So that means Michigan and Alabama will be open in the same cycle. Not that they would necessarily have the same oh. pool of candidates. I think there would be like a Venn diagram of a couple guys who would interest both programs. But the idea that Michigan and Alabama could both be open at the same time—two teams that made the playoff, uh, including the national champion—that uh, would be uh, make, that would make for an epic. Couple of weeks, probably uh, among sports media folks.
0: Uh, well, Michigan just got out the assistant coach, Sean Moore. Is that what they're going to do? do I think? don't think that.
9: No would way. Everybody keeps saying there's no way that job's too big for that guy. Too big,
16: right? And, and that's that's why I sort of think the idea that Alabama's legitimate of looking at Tommy Reese. The only that would be like a human sacrifice. There's no <laughs> way <that would> happen. <laughs> what a great line. <laughs> no, I mean, like I said. But the person that's going to get hired oh is going gosh. to be fired. So this would be like, okay, he's the man who's replacing the man. So let's get this over with and hire the man who's replacing the man who replaced the man. So it would be like, let's get this, let's get let's get the domino started. We'll just throw Tommy Reese in there and then we'll we'll uh, sweep out his ashes in the morning. They, they ought to
9: call him like Tommy Reese Perkins if they hire him. You yeah. know,
16: um, and, and you know Ray Perkins, I think. Thought he was going to be successful. Then. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. So, sure. um, some of those other, yeah. Think about. I mean, I know they had they won a national title under Gene Stallings, but that was you know they were 30 years in the wilderness yes. before they hired before they hired Saban. And you know, people forget when Saban. Well, everybody knows Saban won the national title at LSU, but. LSU had not won a national title since 1958, I believe, under Paul Dietzel. I think the
9: guy's
0: pretty had, good.
16: You know, Charlie McClendon had success but really never could beat Alabama. And then when McClendon left, they went to a bunch of guys who didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And then Saban comes back and sort of resurrected LSU. I think he's pretty good. He also good. resurrected Alabama.
9: Not only did he resurrect LSU, but he resurrected it to the point where two other people went and won national championships after him. I mean, come on.
16: He resurrected it to the point where Les Miles Ed Orgeron could win a national title.
9: Hello.
8: I mean, I think the guy was pretty good. Bino, uh, get back in here. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I mean, Mike, he single-handedly shifted the power from the SEC East to the SEC West and it's basically almost never changed. Crazy. No,
16: I think Georgia, right, but you're right. I mean, LSU and Alabama, you know, LSU's down. LSU was down this year, and they had the Heisen winner and won 10 games. So, um, again, I think it's it, it, the SEC West, Sabin changed. Yeah, not only changed the SEC West, he changed two programs in the SEC West for the better, and he changed college football in a lot of ways. And he did adjust as well. Um, which is a mark of a great coach. You know, I'm not sure some of these other coaches. You know, like the idea of, that Dabo was going to replace Saban is a joke, um, because Dabo never adjusted. So um, it's it, it is interesting that it, it, he did change the he did change the tenor of the SEC. Georgia obviously is the king now because Alabama doesn't have a ruler, so to speak. Um, and let's see how long. Kirby Smart can keep Georgia at the top. You look at the way they recruit, though, uh, it doesn't look like they're going in.
9: Uh, no. And, and, by the way, as Mike Huguenin joins us, if Michigan does open, if, in fact, that does happen, wouldn't that be a more attractive job for DeBoer, uh, given his background, his familiarity with that region of the country, having coached over at Indiana?
11: Yeah, probably so. Plus, he's a—he's
16: a, he went to college in South Dakota, coached in South Dakota. He is a Midwest guy. Um, you know, I saw somebody say, well, Dan Lanning would be a perfect fit because he's from the South. No, he's not. He's from Kansas City.
0: Exactly. He went
16: to college at William Jewell in some small town in Missouri. Exactly. Um, uh, his, his, and, you know, If you just think, about, think about Dan Lanning, in 2010, he was a high school coach in Kansas City. And here he is, evidently, the idea that he might be replacing Nick Saban. Can you imagine that there's somebody coaching high school right now who in 14 years will get a chance to be the Alabama or Michigan or Ohio State head coach? It's mind blowing.
9: It is absolutely. And ain't that America? It's the you and the me, as a great John Mellencamp once said. And on the way out, uh, Hughie, give me a final thought because it's incredible right now. What's happened here?
16: Yeah, it, it, that's, it, it is. And you know, it is, I think if you take a step back and really, you know, like I said, even if you don't like Staven. You saw magni. You know, I don't want to be corny and all that stuff, but you saw, and, and it's not like he's passed away, but you did see magnificence. And I, I'm extremely interested. He, he's not coaching again. I would love to have him go on a, you know, ESPN or Fox or CBS or whoever, because I think he would have relatively unfiltered takes about the future of the sport, which would be pretty cool. He's been very vocal. In the past, I think he would be even more vocal because he, he he doesn't have to worry about ticking anybody off anymore. Nope. Because no matter what, if you're a coach, at, if, I don't care if you're Nick Saban, some stuff you say might tick off the university president. Well, now he doesn't have to worry about that. So I would love to have unfiltered Nick Saban uh, on, on a weekly basis.
9: Two things I wish, okay? One would be that he could be the first commissioner of the uh, new, whatever this thing's going to be, this super conference, I think he'd be a great commissioner for that reason. I think he's a smart guy. The second thing is that I hope that his departure leads to a nine game league schedule because I think he's one of the impediments in it.
16: Yeah, the nine game, I, I still, you know, you, you, I know you guys are huge SEC fans. I'm a huge SEC fan. The idea that this league it's 16 members is it's, only going to play eight. It's stupid. It actually makes me angry.
9: I agree with that. I right, man, I'll let you guys. So I
16: appreciate every yeah. week being on, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Hey,
9: Thanks. much love to you. Thanks, Hugh. Thanks, man. The great Mike Hugan, and one more time on your TLD Logistics hotline online at tldlogistics.com. dot you know, I don't think we really appreciate how significant this is that that this guy has quit. And I want to say to you, you were right, and I was wrong all those years because Tennessee and Alabama is now back in play, and I I abdicate to you in that.
8: Well, don't think I didn't waver through that time, Tony, when he was just absolutely beating our eyes shut every year. Uh, There's no question it was a disadvantage to Tennessee from a scheduling standpoint. Uh, That game just means so much to me uh, as far as college football goes that I I just wasn't willing to give it up. It means a lot to me as well, and I
9: can't wait for the day where we win down there. Tennessee came very close this year. To doing that, but was just not. They were just so uh, so bad in their in their in their back four when they started the half, and we had a look in and a throw over touchdown, and I guess that was just never going to happen. But uh, as it is, the reign of terror of Saban in this league is over, and that is cause for celebration. But you can also look at it like Hughie just did, which is exactly right. He lit the wick so much at LSU, at a place where it just didn't happen. They kept talking about how that was the next it program, it program, it pro For years and years, there's so much talent down there. There's so much this, or so much that. Go back and look at Tennessee's uh, national championship run and look at the run in the 90s. Look at the players we got out of that region that now stay there. Uh, and I'm talking about front-line guys. Saban came in, shut the door, and recruited like a relentless madman. That's what he was. He was a mad man. A demented winner is what he was. And Yuki was right. He got more he got a lot bigger kick out of not losing than actually winning, which is pretty damn demented. Uh, when it gets right down to it, we'll come back. I'm so glad, though, that college football is out of his control. If if I could rub, the, rub that lamp and make one more wish, it would be that Kirby Dumb would take the freaking Falcon job and get off the stage and give college football back to the colleges and get the pros out of college football as we continue with more hour two after this
4: this is coach Traders golf from columbia central high school football you are listening to 101.7 wkom in columbia tennessee
5: The traditional first-year anniversary gift is paper.
11: Yay! Envelopes.
5: The traditional 10-year anniversary gift is tin or aluminum.
11: Are there sardines in here?
5: And the 20-year anniversary gift is the chance to win up to a million dollars.
11: Now that's
17: what I'm talking about.
5: It's our anniversary, but we thought about what you'd want. The new 20th anniversary Jumbo Bucks Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly.
2: And now for today's winning Cash 3 and Cash 4 numbers from the Tennessee Lottery. The first number is the number you just thought of. The second number is the number you would have picked. The third number is the day of your wedding
14: anniversary. And the fourth number They're
5: only lucky numbers if you decide to play them. Cash 3 and Cash 4, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly.
7: If you have Medicare and Medicaid, you may be able to get more help to cover your care and costs. A United Healthcare Dual Complete plan can help you get more benefits than original Medicare. Whether you choose our online tools or over the phone support, United Healthcare will help you compare options so you can choose a plan with confidence. See if you qualify for a United Healthcare Dual Complete plan. Call 855 UHC MORE. That's 855 UHC MORE. 855 U H C M O R E.
2: Hey guys, it's Jessica Hargrove coming to you from the Grand Reserve at Spring Hill. We want you to unwrap luxury living with us. We have the largest floor plans in the area with two pools, two gyms, rec rooms, and more. Each unit is designed to be your new home and oasis. Our team makes sure to put the community back into everything we do. We have an amazing special going on right now. If you could, give us a call 931-486-2236, or you can visit our website at GrandReserveSpringHill.com
10: is Jack Cobb
8: with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 W K O M in Columbia, Tennessee.
9: Falls on the road tomorrow. Uh, we will be on as soon as the game ends. It'll be Garza Law, Tennessee basketball overtime. Uh, the other night we went a couple of hours following Tennessee's loss to Mississippi State, but really it it was a program where, and, and I say this generally, I when we're doing post games. Don't allow basketball post games. Don't allow football conversation because if you did, it's going to take your show over and you're going to confuse people. And you know, so there's got to be a demarcation in there. The other night, there was no demarcating that program. The other night, because you would have had to been foolish and somebody without instincts to not acknowledge and talk about the significance, the significance of Saban's departure. And that's where I want to begin today with uh, Anthony Dash or dot com. Anthony's been so nice to us down through the years, and Tone, Happy New Year to you! It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, and um, your thoughts on the fact that it looks like the throne in the in the uh, conference has been uh, abdicated to uh, Georgia? Uh well, it
13: looks like from the standpoint of Nick Saban, no longer being uh, in the picture. And yeah, I'm like everyone else was a. Uh, a little bit surprised uh you know to to see the news, especially since what Coach Saban just signed that new contract extension I fully thought he'd he'd uh kind of do like Bobby Bowser and be around uh, you know maybe maybe forever but uh wasn't uh not the case and now it's uh tell you what this is a big of a a stir in the sport of college football as far as you know one you know one person is concerned I've seen in years
9: there's no doubt uh Anthony first of all. Um, I just talked to somebody a second ago who tells me that Michigan gig's getting ready to open. Yeah. And if those two open, and they're open concurrently, that is going to be very wild. Now, I don't know how That's... many candidates they're going to share, but in the era of the portal, the windows, the potential um, kids that have a chance will have a chance to bounce after the spring. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're getting ready to see some really wild stuff here, I think.
13: It's great, it's and don't forget, too, I mean, whenever... Uh... Uh, a coach leaves like coach Saban has done. Those kids have thirty days yep. to put their names in the portal. So it's gonna be like another another shopping spree all over again for uh, a lot of these schools. You put Michigan in the same you know, same same deal with them. Uh you know, you know, assuming Harbaugh does move on. It's uh it's crazy what's gonna what's gonna happen. And uh I know there are uh, no doubt in it as far as Alabama's concerned, I'm sure every probably every coach in the NCC and probably most coaches in the country are awake for that transport portal the, to open back up and see what things happen to pop in if they do.
9: Were you surprised that Georgia had so many folks go into the portal after the season? Did that surprise you? Because it looked like they lost a couple guys that could play.
17: Yeah, they lost a couple of guys
13: that could play. I mean, Javon Dumas Johnson, you know, started middle linebacker. You know, he broke his, uh, you know, bonus forearm, I believe it was against, uh, against Ole Miss, and they had some very good young kids come in and, and took over. And so he'd was he he'd be one. You know, I know Xavier's story, was a backup linebacker. Who, um, you know, uh, who left and went to Arkansas, and there were some young, uh, freshman cornerbacks, you know, A.J. Harris, uh, wound up going to, uh, Penn State, um, you know, there's been a couple of guys, but most of these guys at Georgia lost were guys who were never going to play anyway. So I, you know, was, uh, you know, when people say, well, Georgia lost all these players, something must be wrong at, at UGA. No, just guys who weren't going to get an opportunity, I think, more than anything else. But, yeah. you know, but you know, in cases like A.J. Harris, you know, Coach Bart talked about this yesterday on the, on a different, you know, another, another radio show that, you know, some of these young kids, like especially these freshmen, they want this instant gratification. They want to play right now and just aren't willing to uh, wait. AJ Harris, a former five star kid, but, uh, you know, there were some guys that had him on the depth chart. And he was not willing to wait that long. So he left. And that's, that's the part of the, this whole deal right now with the transfer reporter that they coach is the concerned, And I certainly get his point because, you know, a lot of these kids just aren't, you know, giving themselves, the giving them the process a chance.
9: Well. And they don't have to. You know, the, no, sign- they don't. They and, don't. And the stackies, you know, the teams used to be stacked, and now it's a dispersal of talent. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a good thing, Anthony. I, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing for the kids, for the sport, for everybody involved.
13: Uh, you know, and I, and, I, and I certainly see that. I'm just looking at it from a coach perspective when you have to, you know, find, uh, you know, I'm not sure what your roster is going to look like for year. But, but again, yeah. coaches can move around too, and I get that. But, you know, it's just still, I still think it's kind of one of those things they need to get a, a better handle on because. I tell you what, so with some of the opt outs and stuff we saw in some of these bowl games, I, you know that just kind of messed things up for me.
9: You know, you covering that 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 Florida State deal, and it's ironic because you know Norvell's yeah. one of the candidates being yeah. mentioned at up uh, really yeah. prominently for this Alabama opening. That bordered on the absurd. Yeah, wasn't it? I mean, how did you yeah, guys was, cover it,
13: that? It, no, it, it was ridiculous. I mean, Florida State had what 23, 24 guys did not take part in that game because various reasons. Most of them were just, uh, you know, opt out, transferring to other schools. They had a few now, three or four that were moving on to the NFL, but it was mostly just guys who were, just did not want to play, were looking to get out since Florida State did not make the playoffs. And, again, I get that part. I get the disappointment, but on the flip side, you know, Georgia did not have any guys opt out. I mean, you got know, granted, you know, Brock Bowers did not play because it was, just, it was uh, you know, still injured. And, of course, you got great NFL aspirations. Marius Mims did not play, but you didn't have not one single Bulldog Come out ahead of time and say he was going to opt out because he didn't want
9: to play in the game. Brian Hartman's got a little piece of breaking news here as we visit with uh, Anthony Dasher, UGSports. dot Go ahead, Brian.
0: There's multiple reports saying that uh, Mike Norvell is going to stay at Florida State. That's not a not a huge surprise, but yeah, that, that's uh, uh, it makes it makes Alabama's situation a little more
9: curious now. What's ultimately going to happen? To that that's game. right. Because I mean, here's I, the I, thing: who wants to follow him? Uh, Mike no, Norvell's not, making money.
13: Why would he leave? Yeah, that's what I was about to say too. I would not. You had to pay me. I mean, twenty million a year to, be, to consider that job. So I don't want to. I do not want to follow in Dick Saban's foot. So there's no way. That's a no. A no win situation. You're not going to be. You're always going to be held to that Standard. Nick Saban's going to have an office at school. Exactly. Today. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, that is insane. There's no way. And you know what? I would consider putting myself through that.
9: How about your family? I mean, you would literally – you're right. You would literally have to pay me three times what the highest-paid coach, and I think they're going to find that. I, I think – look, the DeBoer guy, he's going to be next on the mic now. Yeah, he's negotiating with Washington State of
13: their school right now, so I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised to hear, hear that here. How great it's it going to
9: be to see Alabama get down the candidate seven or eight? Maybe they hire Butch Jones when it's all said and done. Well, this is what,
13: in my opinion, just real quick, this is what teams like Alabama and ultimately Georgia is going to need to do. You need to have somebody on your staff that's been on staff for a while. And I don't, I just don't think I think it's impossible to ask anybody to come outside the the, the, the family, so to speak, yep. and have them extend to be successful. Have at least have somebody on your staff that the fan base is going to be familiar with. Follow, so, you know if you want to say follow the foot, that's what that coach fine. But Have somebody on staff already who's been there for a few years that people can already have a um, you know, you know an acknowledgement of know who they are, know who they are. Instead of trying to go outside and find somebody, because again, you're going to see more more often. Not coach are not going to go to a school, following
9: a legend. Absolutely wild, man. That's um, so. Alabama's getting ready to say that it's not. It's not easy uh, finding a coach these days. The guys make too much money, and opportunity's opportunity. But mm-hmm. who wants to drag their family into that? Aton the uh, uh, the, the basketball season as Anthony yep. Dasher joins. Live or Memorex for this Georgia club. On a winning streak here.
13: Yeah, 10-game winning streak. Uh, that is the longest winning streak in Georgia basketball. So you've got to go back 90 years. What? 1931-1932 season to find a Georgia basketball team that's won 10 straight games. What? That is correct. There's a stat, There's a stat for you.
9: How? How can you be that close to Atlanta? <laughs> and that's
13: reality. That's
9: crazy.
13: This has been Georgia basketball's history, though. I mean, it really is. I mean, they've, they've had... Uh, you know, they've had a, a, a few spurs where they've had some, you know, pretty good players and uh, they've gone to Tennessee a few times. They've won it, you know, well, fit with Final Four, took them there, you know, back way back when. But, uh, it's just, uh, it's just kind of been how basketball is at UJ. But Mike White seemed to, you know, least early on this year, seemed to have this snail you know, program kind of turning the corner. Uh, and so we'll see, of course, a huge, huge game for him uh, against Tennessee, the best team. I think, obviously, they played this year, but uh, the dogs have something going right now. It's, uh, they've got brought some life back into the, to the stag and,
9: uh, We'll see
13: what happens tomorrow.
9: What kind of a crowd will there be there, tomorrow? and are students back on campus there?
13: Yeah, the students are back on campus. They had about 4,000 students at the game uh, the other night against Arkansas. That was a 9 o'clock uh, tip-off. So the students are back. Uh, I would expect to be uh, be pretty close to a sellout. And that Stegman seat's just over 10,000. I would expect most of those seats
9: to be filled. It's really a great place to see a basketball game.
13: And they've uh, done some uh, you know, rework to it, too. If you've been to you know Stegman in the past, you remember the, the old – you know, gray, dull-looking ceilings. They painted the entire ceiling black. Now they got a nice. brand new, you know, scoreboard, and they've actually got plans next uh, next year to build a brand new. To, to, what they claim is going to be the biggest uh, scoreboard in college basketball on that east wall segment. It's going to extend from uh, side to side. And so, that's, I got segment looking pretty good. Now they just got to get the product to put in there. And, and like I said, so far, Coach uh, White has them uh, has them on a positive track right now. Got some good players. Got a good player coming in next year. Uh, five-star race in duels, so uh, we'll see what happens.
9: How surprising is this from your perspective when you thought about what basketball season was going to look like? And obviously some of this is a schedule-driven deal, but some of it is a pretty impressive win against Arkansas the other night. They wouldn't have won that game last year. That was an impressive Uh, win.
13: Yeah, they've had several games this year. The game of Florida State this season, they've been hanging their hat on that one. Georgia's trailed by 17 points in that game. with just over six minutes to play and came back and won in Tallahassee. And that was a, uh, that was a big moment for them. And they, they used that. They beat Wake Forest earlier this year. Yeah. They did lose to Miami. They've got some pretty good, you know, good wins, you know, under their belts. Uh, let's see. And in Arkansas you know, I don't think Arkansas maybe is quite as good as people thought they were going to be, but shoot, anytime you can beat the, you know, team like the Razorbacks who have consistently been one of the, you know, better teams in the conference, that's a, you know, that's a feather in your cap. And, and this is another huge challenger for Georgia. But the fact, again, they're playing at home where they're rather undefeated this year. They're 10-0 in this segment this year. Mm. Uh, the crowd is going to be going to be jacked, and it uh, uh, should be an exciting game.
9: I'll tell you what: when you uh, get an opportunity to watch this connect kid from Tennessee, you're in yeah. for a real treat, man. Oh he, yeah, I, I've seen
13: him on TV. He's wow, a, he's a star. I, I love watching. I love watching good basketball players. He's one of
9: the best. In the uh, yeah, I know out. you love the game, and he. Yeah. The thing about him is when his body language, it's like he almost starts hopping around. If that guy starts mm-hmm. hopping around. Watch <laughs> out!
13: Yeah, watch out. He, he's fun. He's a fun player to watch. He really is.
9: Antony, on the way out, if Georgia is going to be successful tomorrow, mm-hmm. who needs to have a, a big game for them? What do you think?
13: Well, I, I think it starts with a guy who wasn't very effective the other night, and that's Jibreya uh, rahim He's Georgia's best uh, best perimeter shooter, uh, best three, three-point shooter. If uh, he's on, Georgia usually plays pretty well. And the last the other day was the exception, but they had other guys, you know, step up, Noah Thomason, you know, Justin Hill, It's a big three-pointers. And, uh, you know, Russell two 7'2", 80, the biggest player in the conference. He really had a. Had a double-double against Missouri. He needs to have a good game. But um, I think uh, for Georgia to win this, you won't have to see Debris uh, be on point.
9: Dogs have won 10 in a row. And give me that number again, first time since? First time since the 1931-1932 season, the Georgia Bordeaux basketball team has
13: won 10 straight games.
9: It's just – <laughs> what a great number. A, hey, on the way out, um, yeah. tell the living listener where they can find you, interact with you, all that good stuff. And thanks, Ant.
13: Sure, no problem. They can find me on UJsports.com dot com and on Twitter at Anthony Dasher
9: One. Thank you, brother, because there's only one. See my man. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> All right. Good talking See, to buddy. you. The great Anthony Dasher, one more time. A new dancer and prancer and vixen. And Comet and Cupid. How about that, Bino? Ten straight wins for the first time since nineteen and thirty one. And these people want to get on here and rip Rick Barnes when he is a living, breathing ten game winning streak. How many times has he done that at Tennessee, Bino or Brian? I bet several times they've won ten straight under him.
0: Mm, In 2019, for sure.
9: Exactly. Well, there you go. That's several times. Bino, uh,
8: (laughs) your thoughts on what we saw from the basketball falls the other night? Well, obviously we we had no answer for Smith. Um, uh, He whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted it, uh, the, uh, the bright spots were, it, it looked like in the first half that Mississippi State just had a whole lot more want to than we did. Yep. Uh, we recovered from that in the second half, uh, played really hard, uh, and the reemergence of Connect, uh, those are the two really bright spots from the other night.
9: Am I wrong in saying that Connect has this thing he does where he, when he starts hopping around, it's almost like his, um, uh, Chief J. Strombo used to get on the warpath. I mean, I don't know how politically incorrect that is, but he used to, since his name was Joe Scarp, and he's really an Italian guy, but he used to get on the warpath, you know, and when he went on the warpath and started his war dance, you knew you were in trouble as an opponent. And, um, it's almost like when that kid starts hopping around up there on the balls of his feet, and he's hopping around on defense, he does this thing now. Uh, getting to see him as a player, and he was doing it the other night, and that means you're getting ready to go. He's going to go off on you when he starts doing that. Versus, a lot of times he's flat-footed and sort of disengaged in these games, but he wasn't in the second half the other night.
8: Yeah, guys who are really good at something, when they get it going on, there's a body language that you can kind of—that's uh, pretty visual. So, yeah, I think that's that's a good pickup by you.
9: And I think. I don't think you can speak to this. I've never seen a guy in a Tennessee uniform that can do it from the inside, outside USA, go right down the middle. Our uh, Conexial play of the night the other night, uh, when he went right down the middle and jammed it, jammed it over their big man. I mean, I don't think we've seen that from anybody here, that skill set that he has.
8: No, if there was anybody here that could ever do that, uh, Tony, it was probably Dale Ellis, but we yeah. never got to see him uh, on the perimeter because he was a back-to-the-bucket player for DeVoe. But, and, you know, big guys just didn't handle the ball in those days the way they do today.
9: Maybe my man Jordan Howell, who's uh, hanging out in our Twitter spaces, you know, he's he's he comes to mind.
0: See come really to mind? Uh-huh. Yeah. Shout out, Joho. Shout out. Yeah, Joho.
9: Give him a shout out. Let's give him his flowers. Let's go to our phones. 865-200-5402. Your TLD Logistics phone lines. Remember, Garza Law, Woo! Tennessee basketball overtime. Tomorrow, as soon as that game goes final. Hello and welcome into our next call.
17: Oh, my goodness. What perfect time, and I've been, I had to, I probably had, I I I had to take a blood pressure pill when what? I heard that interview.
9: <laughs> with whom? You mean Tony <laughs> Voss last hour?
17: Tony Voss. Hey, can you, Vino's I was thinking Vino. about you. I, no, I was oh, thinking God, about this. You can you imagine Vino. him in that ice bath? Tony,
9: uh, hey, Vino, can you? <laughs> Vino, is there something wrong with me asking I, Peggy that?
8: I've been here 20-plus years and never been able to do anything with him. Don't come to me with that.
17: Oh, Vino, I swear, please. (laughs) Look, Tony, but it is something. Hey, look, did you? I sent you a picture. I don't know if I must be sending it to the wrong stuff. No,
9: I just don't answer.
17: Oh no! I, you don't need to answer.
9: I no, I'm just you. kidding you. I, I I didn't. I haven't seen your picture. I'm just kidding oh. you. But I really am. <laughs> yes. I, I will say this about me. I will say yes, this about okay. me. I get really okay, busy. Look. I wear several hats. And for anybody that emails me, I apologize well, or text it me.
17: Email. I apologize. I
9: apologize. I I am a bad communicator. I, I apologize. I, I, I tried to send
17: you something lighthearted because I think. I mean, I see something and I mean, really, it's like you see something you want to show, yeah. you know, to that nice you cut up with and that's, it'll be, you guys will be one of the first people.
9: Well, describe it to uh, us. Describe your photo, Peggy. I
17: mean, it was funny. Now that I keep, I uh, even go there, but I, I'm thinking I got completely off track. I was so, I'm down. I feel like I need to go to anger management. I've just, I'm like that guy, that friend of yours, the one you play that drum music for. I figured it out. I am obsessed with this. I can't stand it. I've done everything I know to get Lane Kiffin to block me. And he won't. I mean. You know why?
9: Because he knows an intelligent person when he sees one. You snuck a uh, a reference in, on me the other day uh, with the with the kicker that made the change in that movie. You snuck that right by me. Peggy, you sneak things. You put Easter eggs in your calls all the time. And... Look here, I knew that one. See, my kids love that movie. This is the thing.
17: I raised a boy that's 40. He's 45, okay? Then the second one is thirty. They're nine years difference in them. So, 34, 36, golly, I keep think. 87, so Levi, the coach, that's the middle child. Now, the two girls are the youngest. So, look, I had pop culture going on in my house every day. Every day. And people's like, they can't figure out why I know some of this. Levi told me, he goes, "That's I can just call him coach. It's easier that way. It keeps me in line, too. Anyway. He, you know, that we watch, you watch these movies so much, you know, you know, every word of them. You know, uh, you know, and there's a time we didn't have, couldn't afford cable, it was over in the mountains. And while we had was this, uh, uh, you know, out of date VCR and some movies, so we watched over and over Ray Batman. Finkel. Ray Finkel. You and, got the uh, Ray Finkel
9: reference in on us from, Pino, would you have gotten that? Would you have gotten the Ray Finkel yeah. reference from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective?
8: Oh no way, Tony!
7: Uh,
17: Remember you know. the story. What the thing about it was, the detective was a woman that was really had changed her identity, right? Uh, yes. That came they was the Miami Dolphins. Miami and they, Dolphins, Bino. The Dolphins. that's what it centered around, I think.
9: See me now. You see me now. All that stuff.
17: Um, oh, yeah, my son said, uh, I knew more, he said, oh, my gosh, and, like, Jeopardy, trivia, pop culture, you know, I'll st- "You know," and I thought, st- I told my doc, when I get mad, I'll say, I know all that stuff, or I could have been, you know, I could have chosen, I could have stayed home with mom and daddy, and I could have went on the road with Tanya, and I decided to stay home and raise my kids. Hey, so
9: Peggy, I let me ask you something. Where'd you get that photo yeah. on your Twitter the other night? You threw up of Tony Valls and Bryce Harper. Where'd that come from?
17: Oh, it, on Twitter, I reposted it because Tony doesn't
9: have Twitter. So I wonder where that fo- photo. Uh,
17: I don't know. I can go back and look because I cropped it. But uh, he was riding. Was he was riding Facebook. a horse,
9: and and uh, and what's his face was okay. yeah. riding a horse it's too. Instagram. Where'd it come from, Bry?
0: Instagram.
9: Your Instagram, Brian put it up. Okay. Yeah. I saw it I didn't on Instagram.
0: I had Instagram.
9: Brian put it up on
0: Instagram. I didn't put it up there. Oh, I thought I said st-
17: I know. So anything you post on Facebook, as long as if you checked it, I guess does it automatically then make that post on Instagram?
9: Uh, Bino knows how the internet works, and uh, and now I, I, I don't. Pretty
17: about surfing and was with Ohani and the discovering on the top all the time on. On YouTube, that uh, you all you I got all banned. don't have your I got banned on YouTube. YouTube. I got
9: banned. They banned me. What'd you do? Well, okay. Well, they we'll they, they kept they that. kept sending me these warnings for playing well, what for you? playing for say playing say mu- no, no, for playing music, and and I just ignored all the warnings till finally they sent me a long tersely worded thing saying, "You will never ever ever be on our." <laughs>
14: <laughs> they read me the now, riot, they that that me ran the ran the
9: riot act. They read me the riot act, but I'm going to see if I can they get reinstated. That exactly. <laughs> I think. I think it's probably what happened. <laughs> Hoh you know, Mafia.
17: Was, was it during COVID? They might have you down. They might be watching you.
9: Tony. <laughs> hey Bino, Hoh Mafia. It was during COVID. I got. I got. Uh, I got smashed. Hey Bino. Um, HOH Mafia tomorrow against the Texans in the afternoon. A game I'll be watching with the great George Plaster tomorrow in downtown Nashville. What's going to happen, Beanstar?
8: Uh, the Texans are going to bake the Browns
9: tomorrow. Representing the pride of the AFC South. They're flying the banner for you guys.
17: They will fight. What's Tomorrow.
9: Tomorrow. All of the you NFL games. There's a game, uh,
17: okay. There's a game on, on Peacock. On There's on a game on
9: Peacock tomorrow night, Bri. Bri, what's the temperature going to be in
0: Kansas City tomorrow night? The wind chills during that game are expected to get into the negative 30s. <laughs> negative 30s. 30s? Who's playing with
17: play s- negative 30s? What I want to know. Kansas
9: City and Miami?
0: Miami.
9: Yeah, Miami Lord. is playing at
0: negative thirty. You think
9: my baby didn't right want to I win heard. that game
0: against the Bills and not hey, have to deal with that? Hey Peg, you think, <laughs> that, you think that
9: little you think that little geek is going to walk out there in those capri pants?
0: Lord have mercy!
17: I will tell you what, I'm a little nervous. Yeah, and I because you know, uh, yeah, you can make it that far, and if the game depends on that, and you know they say kickers are funny creatures anyway. And you just, uh, they get that in their heads, you know, and that's the to, two. So, you know, you sitting there wrestling with this thing, yep. uh, well, it don't matter because of where they was. Yes. But for that one particular kicker, and I mean, it was one point. Yep. So he was like, I really, you know, you know how kids or anybody when you're playing with this, Games yes. and, and you you always put it in your head. Okay, here we are for the champions. You know who he's telling these stuff out. Well, hey this Peggy, check this out. Fun. Check
9: this out. When I was a kid, the Eagles had a kicker from the University of Texas named Tony Franklin. Do you remember him? No. Bino, do you remember Tony Franklin?
17: What year? About what year was that? The Late 70s.
9: You. Do you guys remember? Bino, do you remember? Kicker? Yeah, barefoot kicker. kicker right? Bino, we had a barefoot oh, kicker yeah, here. Yeah, what was his
17: barefoot name? Kicker, yeah.
9: Bino, what was Rick- the barefoot <laughs> kicker's name here?
8: Ricky Townsend and Jimmy Gaylor kicked barefooted.
9: All right, here's a question for you. I want to bring back some of the stuff from the seventies. I want metal tip lawn darts to make a return for the children to play with. Oh my god! And I (laughs) and I want and I want barefoot kickers. What happened to barefoot kickers? And what must it have been like?
0: I haven't seen one in years. For Tony
9: Franklin to kick in Philly.
0: yeah.
9: my dad yeah, used to say to me idea. whenever i got that's cold wild. whenever i got cold peggy my dad would say or sold for the cold you know up there cuz i was always cold natured he would say to me what about tony franklin what Lord. he <laughs> he kicks he kicks with his bare feet neelson stadium i'm like i didn't tell him to kick with his damn barefoot in in, uh, in veteran stadium rather you know, I didn't tell. I didn't tell Tony. Beano, oh what must that have felt that like to you're go out not there,
17: Doctor
9: No. <laughs> what oh. must it have felt like, Bino, to kick seriously, barefooted in in December and January up there in Veterans Stadium on that carpet?
8: I'm like that ice bath, Tony. You we're pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you. I his- I his foot, like today, is purple. Out of from that,
9: I tell you what Tony <laughs> B would look like. Hey, I tell you what Tony B would look like. This is oh me, Tony God. Basilio, coming out of that ice bath. A, a young lady.
17: Oh, well, I'm gonna have to go I mean. here and run one. Thank, thank you, Peggy.
9: Appreciate you. You Go. Run. What does that mean, Bino? Is she gonna run one? Oh, maybe an ice. <laughs> <bag>. <laughs> Peggy. Let's get our next call in. Hello and welcome. This show's out of control. As usual hello and welcome into our next call
15: hey guys this is josh from alabama how are you hey
9: alabama josh happy week to you it's been a great week for you man
15: it's been a wonderful week it's uh uh the 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 alabama fans were not very happy after uh after they didn't get landing
9: well they're on candidate we're going to count this now (coughs) that's candidate two that's now uh not going to take the gig uh, how far down their list do you guys think they get? I think they go four or five deep, and eventually they're going to have to do business with Lane Kiffin before this is over, I think.
15: Uh, I don't know if you saw the, the uh, uh, as Brian said a minute ago, the update that Norvell was staying at Florida State. There was another tweet that said now they're going to pay him over $10 million a year.
9: At Florida State? Yes. So if these guys are smart, real. what they all do is they get involved with this <laughs> gig. Like, there's a lot of speculation today that the guy at Washington is using this opportunity for a raise. Um, and if that's if they're smart, that's what they do. Because Alabama will eventually – I mean, who's going to take the job? Tommy Reese Perkins, right?
15: You know, I, I, I said an over-under. I, I was talking to some of my friends last week. I said, I bet this will cost college football as a whole with raises and extensions and buyouts. I bet there will be a quarter billion dollars of transactions.
9: I bet you're right. Because, and I bet you're right. You
15: know, something else I, I heard. I remember you a few weeks ago, um, right after signing day, you were talking about um, Carnell Tate and how, when he was recruiting, Ohio State offered him whatever they offered him, and he came back to Tennessee and said, well, now you've got to pay me more than them. <laughs> and, and I think something I was thinking about and what's your opinion is, you know – that Saban's been able to get a Saban discount in recruiting to to say, oh well, we're not going to pay you as much, but if you're a, you know, if you start in our back seven, you're guaranteed to be a first round pick. Yes. And you'll make up for it. Yes, and so the price of football for Alabama it seems to me is going to go way up.
9: I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think Alabama people realize how much he was their program. I don't know yeah. that they. Quite understand what this means. I you understand what it means because that's a very good read on that. You know, I don't think they understand the fall that they're about to have. They're getting ready to House Mate in four seasons. That's getting ready to no happen. No matter there. no
15: matter who they hire, no matter who they hire, it, because you know, and, and and I think as we've seen with Heppel the last couple of years, and and I think Heppel was an offensive genius. Yep, but. You know, Kalen DeBoer maybe too, but we've seen the difference of Heupel with a, a you know, an NFL quarterback and, and a non-NFL quarterback. And then now maybe with another NFL quarterback, they'll shoot right back up. So, you know, when you hire somebody like DeBoer, even though people say he's a proven winner, it's very risky because you've never seen. I mean, there's a big drop-off from, uh, uh, from the, the quarterback they've had if you go from him to uh, um, Mill Road next year. You know, how much would that change? His level of success, it's hard to say.
9: Well, and you've got a great point. Um, I think my my read on DeBoer would be that he'd be a fish out of water there. I yeah. I, I almost get the sense that he would be like the guy that Auburn hired, the Harson guy. That Harsin. would be my. Uh, and you just don't want to do that. You can't throw a guy in the Southeastern Conference that's never been in the Southeastern Conference, and you can't put a guy there that's never been in the Southeastern Conference. That's asking for it. it.
15: And, and I know he hadn't been at Washington very long, um, but he's not recruited even super well for Washington standards since he's been there. So, I mean, well, would he... He's been
9: pretty good. Does he have, what's that? He's been pretty good.
15: The, the, oh, no, I'm saying they're, they're, they're yes. is developing players and the players they put on the field, yes. I'm just saying you don't know if he could, like you said, would he be able to, to, to play the recruiting
9: games in the South? Who knows? Yeah, you and you don't know that with any of those guys, right? You do know that with Lane Kiffin. They, by most accounts, are afraid of Lane Kiffin because of the way he behaved when he was there. And and you know what? I I don't know talking to people. And, and Lane obviously has changed somewhat since then. I, I do believe that. I think he's grown up a lot. But still, uh, that would be difficult. I think there was a move afoot to introduce Sarkeesian to them. Uh, They uh, rejected that, I believe, talking to some people. Uh, The thing is kind of interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens from here. What happens if DeBoer tells them, I'm staying put? Now, all of a sudden, we're down to candidate four. Dabo, please. Please. You're with me. I (laughs) want the humor. I embrace the humor. I embrace Dabo Swinney at Alabama. I want a gump for a gump. Let's go gump, gump. (laughs)
15: Have a good weekend, guys. Thank
9: you, brother. Gump on gump crime. I want gump on gump. That would be the humor of Dabo Swinney. Being there would be more than I could stand. But doesn't matter who they hire, though. They're getting ready to go through some eight and four seasons. Not next year. Next year, they'll have, well, depending on what happens in the portal, depending on who they hire. Um, The playoff chase for the Vols now just became inordinately more navigable. And I don't know if we get that just yet because we, a lot of us have this batter Vall syndrome. Something happened that's a really beautiful occurrence for Tennessee. know, I really believe that the playoffs are now inordinately a lot more navigable for the Vols with this news.
8: Well, I think any time you weaken, which we expect to happen, uh, an opponent that's annually on your schedule, uh, yeah, it, it it does it it clears the path a little bit for sure.
9: My understanding is they tried to sell. Um, you know, Tommy Reese's name has appeared on some short lists. It will be so funny if it came down to that for them, because we will change his name to Reese Perkins. <laughs>
8: Well, I mean Tony, they got the fat Tony Salerno situation going on here. Here, fat Tony, you be here, you act like you're the boss, you go to jail for a hundred years, then we'll bring the real leader in here.
9: What did Hugan made me laugh out loud the way he said it. It's like a human coaching sound It's a terrible thing to say out loud, but it's
0: you I know, mean uh, it's pretty close. I want to uh I wanna play the hickory dickory Doc from davos winnie if he's their coach on the jumbotron at neyland next year
9: oh my gosh or that big scoreboard georgia has that they're going to install in their basketball arena which everybody can see now as a fan when they get beat by 30 you, you'll see it in in uh numbers and lettering that's uh 50 times bigger and if that isn't <laughs> modern day babylon what is that what's the point hello and welcome into our next call on our friday how are my friends' and compatriots
11: doing today? Dobbs. What's up, man? I'm fired up. I, I know you were asking how people feel about Saban. I'm like, hallelujah, jumping Jehoshaphat, whatever you want to say. He's gone. You know, yep. it's great. For yes, Tennessee. sir.
9: Yes, sir. Very much and so. And
11: I thought, I thought Tony Vitello was so great on there. Uh, I I hope him yelling from his office is not an NCAA violation. <laughs> because, is he not the bested? Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, he said, "That's enough, guys. One more time. I mean, you can't. You can't beat that."
0: Oh no,
9: he's the best. You
11: know, some stats I've been wanting to reveal. <laughs> now that you're on the show, oh, I would. Uh, I kept up with the point spread of every bowl game plus the national title. The favorites went eighteen and twenty-four this year. If you were betting, eighteen and twenty-four, yeah, that's straight up, right? No, no, that's that's point spread. Favorites went eighteen and twenty-four.
9: See, I was a favorite player, and and I'll tell you what—I know this for a fact. The favorites had a really good close because to begin the bowl season, they were dreadful, right, W. Lynn?
11: Yes, they were the, the before the Christmas bowls were horrible, and that's what that's the bowls a lot of people call meaningless bowls, the yep. ones before Christmas. Yep. And that, as you got later, I guess you could say people took it more serious. You know, seriously. I so, really uh,
9: believe, guys, that bowl season this year was borderline absurd. I don't know what it's going to look like during the twelve-team playoff, but this for this one season with all those opt-outs and just all that. It was just ridiculous, I thought. And I love the sport.
11: Well, you know, it's gonna become it's gonna become more like the NIT. That's what it's gonna become, but they'll keep all the balls. You know, but uh,
0: it's it's like that now. They're never going
9: back, W or Lynn, you know that. No, they're not. These PIG pigs are never going
8: back. uh, Except for a few one. uh, I'm What's sorry. Except for, except for a few games going forward, these are all just going to be previews of the season to come. Yep. Uh, because you're going to be using you're going to be using your next year's roster a lot more than than you use that current year's yep. roster and, in the bowl game.
9: And really, what kind of previews is it going to be? Because many of these teams are going to overhaul themselves uh, in the portal. So even at that, yeah. I mean, yeah, for Tennessee fans. That's correct, Bino. For us, it was a really great chance to get a look at Nico and to get excited. But other than that, I mean, that Iowa game, if you were just watching that as a casual fan, I'd be sitting there going, this
11: is dreadful. Dreadful. You probably would have turned to that hockey game. Wasn't that on the same time? Some Outdoor ice classic?
9: You know what's funny, W. (laughs) W. Lynn, is that our game did the best numbers – on television of any of the non-playoff games that's the power of the vols it was a
0: yeah it was abc though helped it though i think
9: well that's true too bro on abc you always got to you always got a can't leave a tender moment alone
11: but one thing about tennessee they do draw numbers and you okay. can go to any big city out west or in the southwest there's a large number of ut alumni that get together for games no doubt about it and uh, but what tony vitello said about the Incoming players, <laughs> I loved it because it's kind of like what I—I I, I was telling freshmen coming here forty some years ago. Guys, until they finish fall practice and run through the tee, and in basketball back then we did run through a tee. Bino remembers that. Oh, gosh. I until they that. do that, I don't consider them on the team. And that he said that in a way, you know, that until they get on campus and find out what life's like in college, you never know what's
9: going to happen. Oh, no. And the other thing he said today that he didn't say
10: mm-hmm.
9: is, I like my team a lot more this year. He didn't have to say that. Yeah. But, in other words, I like being around my team this year. And I'll never forget, my my son, when he was looking at colleges to play at, he, we were visiting with a college, and this coach said, hey, to my son, he said, I like you. He said, I could see you playing for us. He said, and I'll tell you something. You being a, a likable person is a lot more important to me than your score because I have to stay with you and ride with you in a bus for hundreds of hours or hundreds of miles. Yeah. And I don't want to dislike the people that are in my bus. And I thought, you know, that's a that's a pretty good perspective from a coach to think about that. You, you do want to like the kids that you have on your roster.
11: And you want all the players to like each other. Exactly. And not have bad chemistry in the clubhouse.
9: Exactly, and I think last year's baseball team had some interesting chemistry, to say the least.
11: They did, and he did, he's not going to throw anybody under the bus, which oh, is no. admirable, yep. but yeah, there was some issues, especially early in the season, I Sure, think. sure.
15: Yep. But, uh,
11: I, you know, I... Uh I know the, the UT fans in the Atlanta area and Georgia, yep. uh, a lot of times they fill up that Georgia arena like, uh, Tony, you did with the, the bus trip. The Pearl Patrol. You know, I, the Pearl Patrol, and I went with some friends in a car, yep. and if, if you can get in that arena tomorrow that holds, what do you say, 10000 please yep. do. It. The orange in there will help.
9: That one night we put... And- Bino, how many people you think were there that night with me, you, and Paisan and all of us that night we went when they came into the crowd after the game? How many Vol fans were there, Bino, you think?
8: A couple thousand, maybe? Many, but we were the only ones still there. <laughs> and, and I know they claim they uh, sold out of tickets, and they just
11: quit selling tickets because it was UT fans coming yep. to the ticket gate.
9: That Dennis Felton over there looking like old El DeBarge, he was doing his coaching yeah. show down there, and there were five people there. And Pearl was doing his coach's show, and there were about a million people there.
11: It was we're really something. and yelling, and yeah. he looking up at the Tennessee. And all the barges and...
9: over there looking at us like, what in the world? These people have taken my arena over.
11: I saw him as an assistant coach on some team the other day, and nice. I can't remember what team it was. i tell you, he stands out. But, he's a standout coach, yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, we need to win this basketball game uh, we lost to Mississippi State, and I'll tell you, we can't keep starting games over for 10 or 11 at three-point line. All you got to do is, like in that game, if we'd have been three for 10, yep. we'd have been in the game, you some, know, in the that's
9: first half. Some vintage Bruins basketball right there. But W. Lynn, thank you. Tomorrow we'll be on live. Garza Law, Tennessee basketball overtime when that one comes to a thrilling conclusion. In the meantime, got to do some business here, and we'll come back on the other side and get some more calls in. On a day where we continue to celebrate, celebrate another day of living, another day of
0: life. More to- this is Trip Stoltz with Columbia Ace Hardware. I love listening to 101.7 WKOM FM, Columbia, Tennessee
2: Hello, this is Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. Garnets begin the year as January's birthstone. Garnets are also the gemstone that are traditionally gifted for a second wedding anniversary. Here at Tillis Jewelry, we have a variety of garnets to fit your budget, whether you prefer vintage or modern. Next time you visit us, be sure to mention this ad and receive 10% off your purchase. You deserve something new to begin the new year. Follow us at Facebook and Instagram.
3: This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia.
9: Boy, what a day. We've been celebrating the fact that the Nick Saban rain has come to a close, and we'll get some more calls in. We're going to do a TLD Logistics Overdrive Overtime. We've had a really busy day on the TLD Logistics uh, Hotline uh, today, and I apologize for that. We had a ton of uh, guests and and, and great content for you. Remember, Garza Law, Tennessee basketball overtime. When tomorrow's game concludes, it is really interesting to think that, first of all, the athletic director stood up there to his players because the players told the media this. 72 hours, he said, we'll have a football coach. Now, Brian, when did Nick Saban resign? We're going to see if he can do this in 72 hours. When did Nick Saban resign? Retired.
0: It was announced Wednesday at about five thirty. Okay, so they would. I think it was four o'clock in the afternoon Wednesday. So it's close to forty-eight hours right now, maybe okay. forty-five hours. So that
9: AD would have met with the players about forty-five hours ago. That's fair.
0: So, he, so it's the late, clock is ticking. Late Sunday, late Saturday afternoon is the 70, 72 hour report. Well, so far, I think so far the guy
9: at Oregon doesn't want the job. The guy at Florida State doesn't want the job. Uh, They're at least on candidate three. Kellen DeBoer, the word in the great Northwest is, is working on an extension, which will be candidate four. Now, he's going to do the thing that all these ADs do, which is he's going to say, my first choice, our first choice took the job when whomever they walk across the stage, kind of like Danny White here, but the rest of the free world thinking people uh, know that's not how it works. It's just really hard being started a fire to hire a coach these days. It's just really hard, and it's going to be really hard for them.
8: Doesn't matter who you are, Tony. And uh, Ole Miss is getting ready to relive some Tennessee history because this thing's going to fall the lane, and he's going to leave them like Kiffin. <laughs> poor, poor,
0: poor. Ole Miss, if that And they happens. had their site set on making the oh, playoff year. Oh,
11: poor Ole Miss. They never, they, made, they
9: never made a championship game. Under the old format, with Saban out of the league, they could have made a championship game. They could have been in the playoff. They could have been a contender. And now look at them. Such a good point by Beanstar. So we can talk about that as we get into our tld logistics overdrive overtime not enough time to be fair to anybody enough time for me to say to the radio listener i love you i appreciate you i uh it was a real pleasure being with you this week please continue to spread the word for us we'll be with you when the game ends tomorrow right here at tclub.team check out our website today it's incredible our free blog each and every day it's incredible we love you peace have a great weekend this is big lou maddox and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle tennessee
0: wkom 101.7 fm columbia